Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the redemption of the world as we pick up in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now every four years we have men stand up and tell you that they can save the world. And if you'll just vote for them, they've got a program and a plan of redemption. And man has been trying to redeem mankind, but no man is found worthy. No man can redeem himself, much less the world. And so no man was found worthy. And this, of course, then brings on John's weeping. Why? Because if nobody redeems it, it stays Satan's domain forever. That thought is more than John can bear. It wipes him out. He begins to sob convulsively with a horrible contemplation that the world will forever be under Satan's control and power and the misery will reign on and on through that. I wept much. Literally, I sobbed convulsively because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. Don't wait, John. It's not all loss. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. And I beheld, and lo, in the middle of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, there stood a lamb as it had been slain, or literally slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book or the scroll out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Interesting to me that the elder declares to John, Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. When John sees him, he sees him as a lamb that had been slaughtered which would indicate that John perhaps sees him still bearing the marks of the cross and his suffering for us. It could be that your first view of Jesus in heaven will be a very shocking experience. For in our minds we have envisioned in looking upon the face of Jesus of seeing someone who is just perfect in beauty, Glory, standing in awe of that beauty. But in the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 52 and in 53, he said, as many as looked upon him were astonished. They were shocked. For his face was so marred, you could not recognize him as a human being. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. In other words, it was so shocking, we couldn't bear to look. But then he went on to say, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. These wounds that he bears 
are the wounds that he suffered for you when he paid the price of your redemption, when he took the judgment for your sins, when he died in your place. And it could very well be that our first view in heaven prior to this redemptive completion of the redemptive act, that our first view of Jesus will be a very shocking experience as we see him with the marks of the sufferings that he bore for us in order to redeem us. I turned and I saw him as a lamb that had been slaughtered there in the midst of the throne among the living creatures, the cherubim, and in the midst of the 24 elders. There stood the lamb. And when he had taken the book, the four cherubim, living creatures, and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. When in the Old Testament the priest went into the holy place of the tabernacle each day, he bore a little golden bowl that was attached to these chains golden chains and he would have incense in this little golden bowl and when he would come past the altar where the sacrifices have been offered he would take a coal from the altar a burning coal and he would place it in this little bowl of incense and of course the smoke then of the incense would begin to rise and he would go into the holy place where they had the altar of incense and he would wave this little golden bowl of incense before the altar and the smoke of it, the sweet savor of smoke would ascend up before the veil behind which dwelt the presence of God. And it was the offering of the incense unto God which was representing the prayers of the people. And there are scriptures that refer to our prayers ascending as sweet incense before God. So at this point, these 24 elders act as do the priests when they take these little golden bowls full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, and they offer them at this point before God. Now, our redemption is not yet complete. The price is complete. It's been paid. Jesus died once and for all. But Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 8 said, And we and all creation do groan and travail, waiting for our redemption, to wit the redemption of this body. So in the meantime, my body is not yet redeemed. I'm longing for that day. I'm waiting for that time. In the meantime, God has given to me the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as an earnest of my inheritance until the redemption of his purchased possession. So God has shown that he's earnest in his intentions of redeeming you and to show you that he gave to you the Holy Spirit. He has sealed you with that spirit of promise until the day of redemption.
And Paul talks about that in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. One of the glorious blessings that we have in Christ in heavenly places is that after we believed, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. The Lord has purchased you. He's paid the price. He hasn't yet picked you up. He's paid the down payment. But he's coming to get you one of these days. Say, hey, they're mine. I paid the down payment. This is it. Now, we are told in Hebrews that God has put all things in subjection unto him, but we don't yet see all things in subjection. That isn't yet the reality. We still see a world that is in rebellion against him. It's not submitted to him. The world is in rebellion against him. So we do not yet see all things in subjection unto him, but we do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. And he is waiting until the Father brings all things in subjection. He's resting in his finished work. And now the Father is going to bring all things in subjection unto him, and he is going to establish him then as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But the redemption is not yet complete, for he hasn't yet laid claim to that which he purchased. It's like you going in to buy something from the department store, and you realize you don't have enough money for it right now. But, oh, you want that, and you desire that. And so you say, I'd like to put a down payment on that, and I'd like you to hold it for me. Put it on hold. And so they'll write up the contract, they'll put it on hold, and you have a specified period of time to come in and pick it up. In the meantime, it belongs to you technically. No one else can come in and buy it. Someone else could come in and say, oh, I like that, I want that. Well, we're sorry, we're sold the last one. Well, did they pick it up yet? No, no, but... Uh, you know, it's there and it's sold. They put the down payment on it, you know. And, and, and so that's the earnest. You, you showed that you're earnest. You're, you're intending to buy it. That's what it's all about. You just haven't picked it up yet. And so we have the Holy Spirit, the earnest of our redemption, until the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession. So as they offer these little bowls, odors, before the throne of God, the prayers of the saints. How many times have you prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven? That's an unanswered prayer up to this point. Now, the church has been offering that prayer for centuries, but that is still an unanswered prayer. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't intend to answer it, God does intend to answer that prayer. It's just a matter of timing, which, of course, is one of the problems with a lot of our prayers. <laughs> matter of timing. The time has now come. And so the prayers are now brought before the throne of God, the prayers of the saints, the prayers through the centuries, thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And soon God's kingdom will be coming and soon the will of God will be done here on the earth even as it is in heaven and you won't have the rebellion against God that is destroying our planet. But you'll have a planet 
all in obedience and subjection in. Oh, what a glorious place this could be if everybody lived as God wanted us to live. If we lived together in love, in righteousness and peace, for the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. The earth can produce enough food for everybody. It's just that we are using the resources and managing the resources very poorly. We're using them for the wrong purposes. But when Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom, then shall we see the earth that God intended and righteousness upon the earth, covering the earth as the waters to cover the sea. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So, redemption, thou art worthy to take the book and loose the seals, for you have redeemed us by your blood. Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Now, the question, who can sing this song? Is this the song of redeemed Israel? No. Because these people are taken out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Surely it's not the song of angels. That leaves us one group, the church. The song of the redeemed church made up of people from all over the world, from every family, every tribe upon the earth, the redeemed through Jesus Christ, the family of God, one in Christ, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all, one big family in Jesus, singing of the redemption, through his blood. Which brings up a very interesting point. Inasmuch as the tribulation does not begin until chapter 6, and the church is there in heaven declaring the worthiness of the Lamb to take the scroll and loose the seals, the tribulation does not begin until the seals are loosed. It precludes the church being on the earth during the great tribulation period. Surely the Lord's not going to send us back down to go through the tribulation and then rapture us again. You have made us unto our God a kingdom of priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Jesus, again, to the overcomers, promised that they would be able to reign with him in his kingdom. And that ruling with him with a rod of iron, that one is to Thyatira. <laughs> and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now what is 10,000 times 10,000? Hundred million. Thousands and thousands would be millions more. 
How many are redeemed? How many will be there in heaven? My, I don't know. A, a good-sized crowd, though. <laughs> all one in Christ. All declaring the glory of our Lord. They are saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So that chorus now of angels joining in with the church, you see, they, they can't sing the verse. They only can sing the chorus. They don't know what it is to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But when we come to the chorus and we begin to declare his worthiness to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing, they can join that chorus, and they do. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four cherubim said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him that lives forever and ever. So this scene in redemption in the heavenly places now in chapter 6, he begins to open the scroll. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, and one of the four living creatures said, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, there was a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And so the first thing that takes place upon the earth once the church has been taken out, the moment this first seal is broken, the Antichrist comes forth on a white horse. He's the false Messiah, the false Christ. And he begins to conquer over the earth, bringing the earth under the sphere of his power and control because we are told, and again, to prove that Satan is still in control of the world, we are told in Revelation 13 that Satan will give to him his throne and his authority. So he's going to turn the earth over to the Antichrist. But we see his emergence here, the first thing after the church is gone. Now, according to Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, talking about the Antichrist, he cannot come forth until the church is out of the way. For that which hinders shall hinder until it is taken out of the way, and then shall the son of perdition be revealed. So he can't be revealed until the hindering force is removed, which is the Spirit of God within the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What is salt? And it was a preserving influence. It was a preservative. Jesus is saying, the church is preserving the world. They used the salt on the meat in those days to kill the surface bacteria because they didn't have refrigeration. And so the meat was salted to keep it from rotting, from putrefying. 
So when Jesus said to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth, they understood that we are an influence to keep the world from getting rotten. But he said, if the salt has lost its savor, then it's really good for nothing. It'll be cast out and trodden under the foot of man. And if you'll look at those nations that have fallen to communism, in every one of them, the church had died. As far as its influence was concerned, it was dead. The salt had lost its savor. The church is the only preserving influence in the world today. If it weren't for the church, even the United States would be down the tubes already. Now they hate us because we are restraining them from all of the evil that they would love to be doing. We do form and should form a restraining force in the world. If a person says, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here, rejoice. You have a purifying influence where you work. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 5 through 6 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you in His love and grace. May the Lord watch over you. And may you be filled with His Spirit and walk in the strength and in the power of the Spirit of God as He anoints you day by day. May you be enabled by Him, and may you enter into that fullness that He has for you, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord, listening to the Lord. Alert unto the Lord in these last days when the world around you is walking in its drunken stupor. May your mind and heart be clear, sensitive, and to the things of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Gather the kids together because the Word for Today would like to present a kid's book by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Resurrection of Jesus. Each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck reading this story, featuring the voice talents of Skip Heidsick. But I will come back again on the third day. Greg Laurie. It's Jesus. Hi, Peter. Raul Reese. 
See, it's really Jesus. Gosh. Cheryl Broderson. The stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. And so many more. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless biblical stories taught by Pastor Chuck. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org where you can order this book in print or as a digital download. Again, the number to call is 800-272-9673.